0: day in this greatest nation on God's green earth and yes it is a great day when Washington DC wakes up to the reality that depending on the health of one 49 year old individual who was stricken by a stroke unexpectedly uh, depending on the health of uh, Senator Ben uh, Ray Lujan Democrat New Mexico the uh, majority of the US Senate at the moment is Republican and no that would give uh, Kamala Harris no chance to break ties this is directly relevant to the nomination of a Supreme Court justice which could occur at any day now there seems to be well there are rumors right now that uh, uh, Biden may be leaning toward a South Carolina judge because Uh, If uh, Senator Lujan is not back in time to vote for that confirmation, it's going to require some Republican support. Uh, J. Michelle Childs, the uh, judge from South Carolina, has actually had a very positive thing said about her by the two U.S. senators from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott. But the basic situation right now is Ben Ray Lujan, Democrat in New Mexico, suffered a stroke and had sur- surgery to ease swelling in his brain. His top aide said today, uh, leaving Democrats short of a crucial vote in the 50-50 Senate while he recovers. He's currently being paid for, at uni- cared for at University of New Mexico Hospital, resting comfortably and he's expected to make a full recovery uh, said his uh, aide who is named Sanchez and uh, Carlos Sanchez and uh, Mr. Luhan first started experiencing symptoms of dizziness and fatigue last week Mr. Sanchez said he didn't say when Mr. Luhan would return to the Senate. That's because in this kind of situation you just don't No. The. uh, Well, Mr. Lohan is absent from the Senate, there will be just 49 senators in the Democratic caucus making passing any party line nominations difficult, including President Biden's expected Supreme Court pick, as well as any legislation that needs full support from Democrats. Uh, Democrats have expressed concerns over this uh, control of the Senate which only forces Vice President Harris to come to the Capitol to break a tie. Uh, According to uh, last month, Democratic Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii was out with coronavirus for a couple of weeks as Democrats mounted an effort to change the Senate's filibuster rules. Currently, GOP Senator Mitt Romney of Utah is uh, quarantining with COVID-19. Uh, Mr. Lohan's absence could make it much harder for Democrats to confirm Mr. Biden's ambassadors and other nominees, aside from the Supreme Court. That's from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, what's What's fascinating about all this is the idea that if Lindsey Graham actually votes for uh, the confirmation of whoever. It is that President Biden names. Does that represent some kind of surrender or compromise or something inappropriate? I mean, Stephen Breyer, who just left the court, he was confirmed uh, by a vote of uh, 87 to 9. <laughs> I mean, and he had most, the great majority of Republicans voting for his confirmation. He served 27 years as a moderate liberal. Uh, on the Supreme Court. The the point about all of this is that Lindsey Graham voted for Sonia Sotomayor to confirm her. He voted to uh, confirm Elena Kagan because he defends the, the old idea, which I think is the right idea, which is that uh, Supreme Court nominees as long as they are seen to be legally competent uh, with a distinguished record, free of scandal, should be judged based upon their uh, character and their qualifications uh, and not simply be rejected because they're appointed by a president of the opposite party. Uh, Democrats have been doing this for a long time. They conducted successful fights against Richard Nixon nominees, against Ronald Reagan nominees. Uh, Bob Bork was nominated by President Reagan, and he was blocked by the Democrats in the Senate. And, and of course, Republicans have turned around and tried to do the same thing. Uh, Not nearly as much. Uh, Because you remember, again, no one more qualified or appropriate for the Supreme Court than Neil Gorsuch, for goodness sake. And uh, Democrats voted against him almost entirely. So President Trump was interviewed about Lindsey Graham who is a key man, former chair of the Judiciary Committee, I believe. He's been a ranking Democrat on the Judiciary for a long time and he himself is a former prosecutor but uh, concerning Senator Graham, President Trump was interviewed on Newsmax and uh, Lindsey Graham had also expressed strong disagreement as had many other Republicans with President Trump's suggestion of pardoning the people who've already pleaded guilty and uh, may end up being convicted concerning the uh, riot on Capitol Hill. Uh, here's what the president, former president had to say, clip 18.
1: Saturday at the rally, you talked about the potential, if it's appropriate, of pardoning some of the January Sixers. Yeah. Lindsey Graham said a couple days later he thinks that's inappropriate. What do you
2: think? Well, Lindsey Graham's wrong. I mean, Lindsey's
0: a nice guy, but he's a rhino. Lindsey's wrong. Uh, And again, to write off Senator Graham, who actually, when you look at the nominations of all three of the Trump justices, who are excellent choices, all of them, uh, Neil Gorsuch and uh, Brett Kavanaugh, and uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, Lindsay was absolutely crucial in winning those nominations, confirmation. Yeah, particularly, remember how passionate he was in defense of Justice Kavanaugh. And of course, he was right. And it was extraordinarily appropriate that he take that position. There's also this um, there's a. Uh, was certainly one of the people who used to be a friend of President Trump's he was the guy who as a network executive helped put Trump on the air for The Apprentice which of course changed his life and career and ultimately led to the presidency Jeff Zucker just resigned and here's the way that uh, Kate uh, Baldwin uh, announced the news on air clip 9
1: we have news now to report Involving our network. CNN president Jeff Zucker has just resigned after disclosing a consensual relationship with a colleague. Jeff has led our company, led CNN for the last nine years. Joining me now is CNN chief media correspondent, host of Reliable Sources, Brian Stelter. Brian, what more do you have? As
2: you said, Kate, Zucker's been a larger-than-life figure at this news organization for nearly a decade, a
0: pioneering figure. And now his resignation is stunning in this
2: newsroom and the news industry.
0: Okay. And um, Stelter goes on to read a statement from Allison Gallist, who is the colleague who, by the way, for 20 years has been a close friend of uh, Jeff Zucker. And here's what she had to say, this is clip eight. We will get to that later, but we're going to be speaking first to Frank Luntz, a pollster, about the uh, shape of the Republican Party and its internal divisions. Trump still in total control? We'll talk about it coming up on The Medved Show.
1: Michael Medved. He has
0: control over this world. This is The Michael Medved Show. It is always an honor and a pleasure to welcome back Frank Luntz, who is by, I think, a pretty good margin of advantage, the most respected, influential, and perceptive uh, public opinion analyst, pollster, focus group impresario, and a contributor to virtually every television network on all sides of the aisle. His background, though, uh, with um, Republicans and conservatives and right now frank i wanted to speak to you about some comments you made as part of a big piece in the new york times concerning the trump base first of all everything going well on your end well it's a
2: time where where i find more and more people have chosen sides they don't want to hear an objective evaluation of where things stand and i find myself torn between those who think i'm a traitor by pointing out issues and concerns that the public has towards things that Republicans stand for, such as this whole dispute between Ukraine and Russia. And I find myself being attacked by the left, who simply wants to destroy the economy by spending every possible dollar on problems that either do or don't exist, without any sense of accountability or efficiency so i'm i'm stuck in that horrible middle with not many friends and not knowing who my allies are but
0: well you've got a sure friend and ally right point. here let, let let me let me go to something you were quoted in the new york times as saying and i assume it's accurate you said the trump group you're talking now about people who are personally loyal to president trump and not just conservatives or republicans the Trump group is smaller today than it has been in five years, but it is even more intense, more passionate, and more unforgiving of his critics. As people slowly drift away, which they are, those who are still with him are even stronger in their support. Does that mean, uh, even to the extent of denying some of the obvious realities of our time, like, oh, for instance, what's fascinating here is President Trump seems to be getting, uh, alienating some of his base over the vaccine issue because he supports vaccines. Does this make any sense at all?
2: Well, it makes it, it makes sense politically in terms of their ideas, but I'll tell you, as someone who's done research in this area, the fact that you began or this segment in some ways, potentially questioning what the former president is either saying or doing. I am convinced that hundreds of people are not listening to you right now that were listening to you before you raised it. That is how bad it's become. We aren't seeking the truth. We aren't seeking the facts. We're seeking to be uh, confirmed and celebrated for where we stand. It's why... ON RADIO AND ON CABLE TV, THE SHOWS THAT ARE MORE EXTREME, MORE BLUSTERY, AND MORE INTENSE ARE GETTING THE HIGHEST RATINGS. AND THE SHOWS THAT FOCUS ON A BALANCED, REASONABLE, SENSIBLE, ACCURATE APPROACH TOWARDS POLITICS IN GENERAL, AND TRUMP IN PARTICULAR, THOSE SHOWS, THE RATINGS HAVE DROPPED OFF A BIT. WE DON'T NECESSARILY WANT TO truth ANY MORE And that's what I don't understand about
0: America okay in terms of the Republican Party right now it used to be and and I know that you've done research and you've done studies and focus groups and polls that show that it is no longer the idea that the Republican Party is just one undivided Donald Trump fan club Uh, there are a lot of people who have doubts about Trump who is who is who are the credible challengers if there would be any to his expected presidential campaign in 2024
2: well this is what I I asked Trump people how do you feel about Donald Trump attacking the Florida governor DeSantis? he was Donald Trump's strongest ally for the entire Trump administration Trump always spoke favorably about him. But now that they may be in conflict with each other, Donald Trump is taking shot after shot. Why is that? Uh, Why is it that so many of the people who felt that uh, that Congress wasn't strong enough in support of the president uh, or the governors weren't strong enough in support, why is Chris Christie speaking up now? Uh, Why are these Republicans in the Senate speaking up? And my answer is then in the end, they appreciate and support so much of Trump's policies, but they're saying enough is enough in terms of Trump's commentary and behavior. And if I can add a personal note, Donald Trump is the first politician to alert us to China. He was the first politician to actually employ serious sanctions against Russia. He spoke up about the problems in education and in schools, and we owe him a serious debt of gratitude for what he was willing to do and the courage that he had. But by the same token, we don't want our children talking like he does. We don't want our kids to be rude to each other. And it is absolutely within our rights, and in fact, we are responsible to speak up if we think that the behavior of someone doesn't match the policies of someone. And I think that that's what's also happening in terms of Trump's support.
0: At Jones, you think and we have just a few moments left, Frank Luntz, that part of the problem for President Trump right now is that he makes it very clear that if he uh, is going to run for president, that means we're going to have another at least three years debating January 6th, debating uh, the stop the steal idea. And I think the American people are, are awfully tired of it no
2: you're correct in fact we asked the public number one right now is inflation number two is crime. number three is the border insecurity number four are shortages uh number five is a lack of faith in the future and six is talking about what happened on january 6th and the election republicans Independents, Democrats, conservatives, liberals prioritize our day to day anxiety and challenges and the damage that's being done to our economy by this current administration, and they deprioritize the previous election.
0: Uh, Frank Luntz, appreciate your perspective. I know you have a busy day, as always. Uh, we're going to post some of the latest observations by uh, Frank and Uh, basically giving perspective on this whole issue of a future for the conservative movement for the Republican Party that is not entirely and exclusively dominated by one individual. Frank, Godspeed to you. Uh, When we come back, more about the basic questions about the nation's future and the Republican future. In other words, let's say the Republicans do, and I certainly hope they do, take over the House of Representatives. Then what exactly? We've uh, got then fully divided government, right? That's what we want. But what does that mean? We will get to that coming up on The Medved Show.
2: I'm a big Michael Medved fan. The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776.
1: The Michael Medved Show.
0: On The Michael Medved Show... Talking about the uh, Republican Party and its excellent chances of winning back the House of Representatives and good chances, though they're not quite as strong, of uh, winning back the U.S. Senate. A lot is going to depend on what happens in Georgia. And uh, why? Because, again, Raphael Warnock, who was just barely elected this last time, is going to be running in Georgia where there's deep divisions in the Republican Party, where there is a um, uh, a real question uh, about who is going to be the most effective challenger to uh, Senator Warnock. There will be a disputed Republican primary, there's a disputed Republican primary in the governorship. And part of what Republicans are going to be need to be doing a couple of things one is they apparently are working now so says Kevin McCarthy they're working now on a shorter uh, simpler more realistic you could say contract with America and apparently Newt Gingrich is contributing to that and I think that's good because he is a very good idea man and he comes up with things that could engage the public but that question that um, President Biden used at his press conference, he said, I know what the Republicans are against, but what are they for? Now, by the way, Republicans can do very well by just being against some of the excesses of the Biden administration, but they also ought to have something that they can unite and say that they're for, other than replaying the 2020 election, which uh, is not something that a majority of Americans are eager to do or anything close to a majority of Americans. And when the Republicans have something that they feel that they can be that one thing they can start with, and with the Democrats currently not holding a majority because of Senator Lujan of New Mexico uh, being hospitalized right now due to a stroke, uh, one of the things they should focus on is this uh, Election Count Act reform which actually would reduce the chances of any president or any candidate for president or any people who want to play tricks with a certified election and overturn the results of the people that would make it harder to do that and make it nearly impossible to do that, as it frankly is right now. I'm not one of those people who believe they came so close on January 6th. They didn't. With a cockamamie plan anyway, and it didn't didn't particularly work. The other thing that Republicans can do is uh, concentrate on what Americans, many Americans, and the polling shows this consistently, believe is optimal, which is getting a divided government. And uh, why do people favor divided government? Because they don't particularly love either party. And right now, there is no typical love for the Biden administration because of some of its excesses. Uh, Today, at the press briefing with uh, White House press spokesman Jen Psaki, uh, USA Today's Michael Collins asked a uh, strong and obvious and very pertinent question. Listen, this is clip two. Yesterday the national debt passed $30 trillion for the first time. Does the administration see that as a problem or do you share the view of some economists that debt doesn't matter?
1: Well, um, the president believes we need to have a sustainable and responsible fixed fiscal policy, which is why he put forward ways to pay for his major proposals. He's committed to a sustainable and responsible policy in ensuring that our long-term investments are fully, fully paid for, like Build Back Better. I'd also note that um, this stands in significant contrast from the previous administration and Republicans in Congress, which passed a $1.5 trillion tax cut for wealthy taxpayers in 2017 and didn't pay for it. As we look to the debt, which obviously the president wants to be lower it's important to note that more than 95% of the national debt was incurred before he took office the national debt increased by 7.8 trillion during uh, former president Trump's presidency which accounts for about 30% of its total so uh, we are working to address we are working to be fiscally responsible and that certainly is a priority to the president okay
0: what's tricky about her numbers is she's talking about money that's been spent already but she is not talking about not including All of the money that has been authorized or that uh, President Biden wants to authorize that would add much more to the debt than she's acknowledging there. But this will give you a very good example. The Democrats want to make this uh, coming up uh, midterm election a replay of Biden versus Trump. Where Biden on the popular vote, there's no question at all that Biden won the popular vote decisively. And so, of course, they want to do that, and which is why Republicans have to make it a vote in favor of divided government and having a force in Congress that would be willing to work with the Biden administration when it's right and when it's doing something appropriate and being able to moderate some of its more extreme positions. Now, one of the extreme positions is... Republicans, in general, are in favor of color-blind uh, governance, n- not basically creating special privileges or special focus on certain selected racial groups. And there was a question that came up at uh, news briefing this morning that put uh, Jen Psaki, the White House press spokeswoman, in a kind of... Um, well, you'll see how she handled it. Uh, she was asked a question by a reporter named Zha Zhang uh, to, uh, who is Asian-American, uh, to uh, Given the President's commitment to diversify it, mm-hmm. will he make similar pledges? Um, should he have another opportunity to nominate someone? For example, there's never been an Asian-American justice or
1: an LGBTQ justice, so will he make a similar pledge? Well, I would say that about judges or just in general, I I would say that if you look at the president's record of judges, circuit court judges, uh, lower court judges, it speaks for itself. He has had um, a enormous number of justices he judges he has nominated uh, who are people of color who are women uh, women he has uh, he has nominated and confirmed an extraordinarily diverse bench of qualified uh, individuals to serve on the courts and that is certainly a priority for him uh, I don't have any new pledges to announce for you but I think I would point you to his record which speaks to his commitment to ensuring uh, the court is more diverse uh, lower courts are more diverse uh, the higher courts are more diverse and that that is something he certainly can will continue to look at as a priority
0: okay this goes to what uh, is surely going to be uh, worth talking about because one of the things that this new court uh, may be called upon to decide Are cases that have to do with the future of affirmative action and by the way when people are talking about what would happen with these cases if as expected the conservative majority on the court including the three justices appointed by Donald Trump if they vote uh, that look we don't want to uh, authorize government funds and government decision-making uh, judging people based on the color of their skin and not the content of their character and and again here this goes to sometimes what happens with affirmative action and there have been whole books and studies and academic research that confirms this that at some point if you give a racially based preference people are sent to schools are admitted at schools and sometimes get government money to attend schools that uh, do not match their skill set and their ability. And that doesn't happen all the time. It's wrong to say that whoever he appoints to the Supreme Court, because most of the people that have been on this short list are people who have outstanding academic records and outstanding judicial records, okay, so fine. But the idea of fighting for this kind of, quote, enforced diversity, where the percentage of people you appoint to anything have to be racially distributed in a certain numerical way, that can be a strong issue for Republicans generally, as it has been in the past and will be in this upcoming election. We'll be right back.
2: show on god's green earth
1: oh good for you
2: the michael medved show
1: and
0: very nice to see the market continuing to make back some of the ground it lost uh, last week and uh, up uh, 224 points the dow today and look there is energy in america there is energy in our economy if the politicians would get out of the way if we could do something to stop the inflation to stop the, uh, the worries about uh, basically uh, uh, rises of interest rates going on too hard and too far. Uh, we, we have every opportunity to continue to lead the world economically. and Part of what allows us to lead the world is some exciting high-tech companies. Uh, here's one. It's a company called 4C. But it's not like 4C looking, it's like 4 csea And it, it actually provides, it's, a, uh, uh, it's in the seed stage now. It's not currently operating or offering product, but it's on the way to doing that. It's offering alternative uh, protein company producing cell-based shellfish, uh, targeting the most expensive shellfish also, those that are most associated with disease in the wild, its uh, first product planned is a cultured scallop, and it's a premium $8 billion market. There's a strong scientific team with this company with deep background, extensive experience in cultured meat. Now, I have nothing to do with the company, personally, and um, because I keep kosher. I don't eat cell fish. However... Uh, this is a company that is uh, being uh, developed in connection with our crowd and you can read about it uh, and get free information about this opportunity or dozens of other opportunities of exciting high-tech startups through our crowd there's no obligation there's no cost go to michaelmedved.com look for the banner for our crowd this is um, my brother's uh, venture capital seed based uh, it is uh, uh, basically crowd sourced venture capital investments in high-tech companies often in Israel but increasingly around the world uh, go to michaelmedved.com and look for our crowd and click to get uh, free information sent to you as regularly as you want it uh, our crowd Okay, uh, there's another scientific story that we touched upon yesterday with uh, James Barry, who is the great historian of the 1918 pandemic, the uh, Spanish flu uh, epidemic that uh, killed 670,000 Americans. It did, when our population was much less. Uh, this, of course, pandemic is on its way to killing a million Americans, And there's a piece in the uh, in the New York Times, a detailed piece and very thorough and full of charts and graphs and numbers and authorities. And but it basically asks the question, why is America with all our advantages and our technological advancement? We were the first up with vaccines because it was developed largely by that Operation Warp Speed. Why is it that we by Far have a higher death rate than other countries. Uh, for instance, we're approaching a million deaths. In uh, in Australia, they're approaching four thousand deaths. That's not four hundred thousand. It's four thousand. And if you adjust for population, that could be forty thousand deaths. In other words, if Australia that had the same percentage that we did uh, if their population was uh, the same as ours the equivalent instead of our 1 million deaths there would be 40,000 why is this happening and uh, Benjamin Muller and Eleanor Lutz write in The Times that two years into the pandemic the coronavirus is killing Americans at far higher rates than people in other wealthy nations a sobering distinction to bear as the country charts a course through the next stages of the pandemic. Uh, Several countries had higher per capita COVID-19 deaths earlier in the pandemic, but the U.S. death toll now exceeds that of all peer nations. The ballooning death toll has defied the hopes of many Americans that the less severe Omicron variant would spare the United States the pain of past waves. Deaths have now surpassed the worst days of the autumn surge of the Delta variant and are more than two-thirds as high as the record tolls of last winter before vaccines were even available. The uh, Devi Sridhar, who's head of global public health program at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, says death rates are so high in the states, eye-wateringly high, uh, the United States is lagging. And uh, they say in the time some of the reasons for America's difficulties are well known. Despite having one of the world's most powerful arsenals of vaccines, the country has failed to vaccinate as many people as other large, wealthy nations. Crucially, vaccination rates in older people also lag uh, behind European nations. The United States has fallen even further behind in administering booster shots, leaving large numbers of vulnerable people with fading protection as Omicron sweeps across the country. Uh, The resulting American death toll has set the country apart and by wider margins than has been broadly recognized. Since December 1st, when health officials announced the first Omicron case in the United States, the share of Americans who have been killed by the coronavirus is at least 63% higher than in any of those other large wealthy nations, according to an analysis of mortality figures. In recent months, the U.S. passed Britain and Belgium to have, among rich nations, the largest share of its population to have died from COVID over the entire the entire pandemic. Uh Yesterday, on February 1st, uh, the United States, which has 10 times the population of Australia, we had um, uh, yesterday in the United States 3,579 deaths. Australia had 70. So we are talking about just a devastating situation. And the fact is, the truth is that uh, particularly with the Omicron uh, variant, part of what has happened is the vaccines do not necessarily prevent people from getting sick, but they prevent people from dying almost certainly. And the this entire paper, this entire analysis here goes on and on and talks about how In the United States, we have a unique problem of people losing faith in institutions. And this actually goes to why it is that there are so many people who support and admire President Trump. Uh, And President Trump is pro-vaccine, to his enormous credit. He developed the vaccines, good for him. Credit to President Trump, one of his historic achievements, right? But the uh, fact is that he has also been involved in breaking down faith in US institutions, faith in media, faith in universities, faith in our medical professions, and, uh, and that is unmistakably a problem. Why should it be that in the United States where everything was... Uh, was free and was widely distributed at the very beginning under the Trump administration it began and then continued under the Biden administration I don't think you can blame this on Biden I don't think you can blame it on Trump but what you do blame it on right now is the COVID fatigue which has grown up everywhere and again one of the things that that I believe is a patriotic duty If America is not going to have this horrible distinction of having the highest death rate in the world, what we're going to need to do is to encourage more people, some of the, what is it, 60 million or so Americans who are not fully vaccinated, and it's far more than that. It's about half the American public that doesn't have booster shots. It's not true in other countries around the world. And we're not just talking about outliers. We are doing worse now than uh, the United Kingdom, where they have their own political problems. But one of the things is not to have sort of uncritical faith in anything that some kind of authority tells you, but to at least look at the material and be rational, where clearly it is in the hands of every individual American. We can't count. On our leaders or our authorities or our system of laws this is up to individual initiative and to do everything possible to try to encourage more self-preserving behavior that is to the benefit and the glory of this greatest nation on God's green earth